developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Damn, you know, I can't believe I'm late. Usually I don't ever have a show on Thursday unless it deals with video games. I'm usually on the ball for this sort of stuff. Then again, the only real news that's going on is that Donald Trump's going to be president. You know, at best, I really don't want to be there, but the professional side of me has to pay attention to this sort of thing. You know what, whatever. I'm going to take the train. I'm going to try to get to the studio on time. Meanwhile, I guess I can go ahead and try to produce the show on the go. So, no more delays. Welcome to the J-Man Show here on K360 Radio. Well, J360 Legion, we're off and on the go. You know, I got a lot to cover today, and I haven't done this segment in about two episodes or so, so, hey, let's do a special extended Trump watch in honor of that inauguration that's going to happen tomorrow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are at least less than 24 hours away from the day democracy died. <clears throat> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I mean, the inauguration of Donald John Trump as the 45th president of the um, United States of America. And yes, that pause was on purpose. Okay, you know what? I'm going to have to put that on hold because let me be honest with you. I don't hate the guy, but I just don't care for him. The way he's going about carrying himself is not the signs of a ideal president. You know what I'm saying? Any sort of issues that come out of the way Donald Trump is is because of the way he acts on Twitter. It's the way he seems to act towards people who oppose his platform in the way that he acts towards people who criticize him. Which they are inclined to do. It makes me think that he's unaware that he is a public official. And you've all seen his first press conference as president-elect, right? What a fiasco that was. I mean, calling CNN out as fake news. You know, it's like his um, Access Hollywood bus scandal. It's like you didn't think that the camera was on you, but you see, that was during the time he wasn't running for president. But the thing is, is this. Dude, you're running for president. You won the presidency. Act grown up. Be regal. You know what I mean? If you want to be unpredictable, as he quoted and said before, he's pretty much doing a horrible job at that because we are all knowing that he's going to go ahead and he's going to act the way that he's going to act. He's good at reacting. I can only imagine what his proactive is because his reactive is showing big time. And it's not in a good light either. It's double-edged. Especially when you are a public official. The things that you do will come back to haunt you. And of course, he's 70 years old, and after all the times he's been mocked and satirized throughout public media in general, he should know this. And going back to that fiasco of a press conference, by not addressing the questions asked by everybody that is present there, knowing full well that CNN deserves its coverage just as much as MSNBC and Fox News does, you know, despite what people say about it and how closed-minded and how biased they can be, Donald Trump's being biased just in the same way. And yeah, that's real presidential. You have to address all forms of media. 
You know what I mean? He's the face of the nation now. Not by choice. Well, my choice. But the thing is, is this. Why? What is that going to prove, huh? Oh, I can do whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about me. <laughs> no. No, damn it. It's not all about him. It's about everybody else. It's about the nation. Where do we go from here? Now, he done sold a lot of people on that snake oil about make America great again. Now, to me, America has always been a good country. It's always been a great country to me. And one thing, I know America's not perfect. I know America has a multitude of different cultures, different nationalities, different ethnicities, different mindsets. You know what I'm saying? And as it should be, it is a melting pot. Yes, damn it, I'm saying it, I'm bringing it back. Even though it really shouldn't have gone anywhere because you all know this is a melting pot. You all know that you can practice your religious freedoms. You all know that you can go ahead and showcase who you are and have that self-expression. But the thing is, when you are a president or any sort of public official, you have a job to do. And you also have an image to maintain. And considering Donald Trump's image, Donald Trump's image back in the day was all about him taking care of him and his own and doing whatever he wanted to do. You see, the thing is, it's a real adjustment period for him because little did he realize his powers are going to be a lot more limited as president than they are when he's leader of Trump Tower. He got rules to follow, believe it or not. So while a lot of us are scared and worrying about that stuff, there are some pockets within our government that will regulate and make sure things run smooth. But the idea is he's not off to a good start. Hell, he wasn't off to a good start way back when. So it's just, it's, it's crazy how all this is going about. Now another thing to do is to start paying attention to the signs. You know, like whenever Donald Trump always is caught in something, it's always somebody else's fault. And when it's usually the media in a response, what does he usually say? Biased media. It seems like every time that somebody challenges him on his standing, it's always called biased media. And let me tell you something, the media does have enough problems and there's sometimes when you'll know when things are rigged and when people are paid off and when they're not covering certain topics, okay? And when it comes to mainstream media, that is a flaw for them. And for lack of a better term, it screws us as a nation. Because the number one thing that the media is supposed to do is to inform us. And it is also to keep people like Donald Trump in his cabinet honest with us. Really, I shouldn't even call him a cabinet. I should call him just Trump All-Stars because, you know, reasons. Like what President Obama said in his last address. They are supposed, to, we are supposed to be cynical. Journalists in general are supposed to be cynical and they're supposed to ask tough questions. The media is to be the voice of the people. They're supposed to be us talking to them in a way. So they're a part of the American democracy, whether politicians like it or not. And you can go ahead and say Donald Trump is not a career politician. But then again, Donald Trump's not a self-made businessman either. He was born into money. Alright? Think about where the man came from. You know what I'm saying? You gotta know the research behind this guy. And whereas a lot of you are wanting to boycott or stay away from the inauguration... You know, it's an injustice to yourself. You gotta know what's going on. Like, you can't turn a blind eye to this stuff. As a matter of fact, that's what they want you to do. And not to mention that the whole of the Republican Party were trying to cut out the Center for Congressional Ethics. That is questionable and really got my attention. You know what I'm saying? Like, why is all of this trying to cut out ethics? 
And believe it or not, the man is making history because not only is he going into the office with a lot of heat behind him, he's also going into the office with the lowest approval rating. He couldn't even get, and I'm not even going to talk about the performances for his inauguration. Nah, to hell with that. And that stupid thank you tour. He's also trying to get rid of the Affordable Health Care Act with no replacement plan in sight, even for the short term. But I get it that the Affordable Health Care Act is not perfect. None of these things are going to be 100% perfect. But in the end, you need a system that's going to help you in the long run. And these people don't even have replacements. They don't have any alternative plans. What do they want to do is take us back to the old way? The old ways are no more. All right, there are some things to be conservative about, and then there are things to be progressive about, and that whole thing needed some reformation in some some way. And little did you realize that half of Obamacare, as you call it, was made by the Republican Party. It had to go through both sides of the Senate and the House. So let's not forget how we got to this point. But outside of all that, though, it's just crazy because now more of the people that are in his cabinet are under fire for certain reasons. Well, you see, the Secretary of Health and Human Services can't even answer certain questions regarding the ethics of getting rid of the Affordable Health Care Act. And then also, the Secretary of Education can't even answer ethical questions on gun control in schools and thinks that public school teachers are overpaid. And what the hell is a potential grizzly? You know, sometimes you gotta ask yourself. Where did Donald Trump find these people out of a bunch of good ones? I mean, damn. Seriously. None of them look good. This is beyond dysfunctional. This is retrograde. Everything about this is a sign of the Peter Principle. Every single one of these people that are seat filling, because Lord knows they are not professionals or trained in the trained in the standards of their job. It's just a sign of incompetence. You might as well just call this whole thing, they're not the Joint Chiefs of Staff. That is a good title. You might as well just call this Incompetent Inc. That's what you ought to call it. You know, it's like this. Instead of just going ahead and helping these people learn their jobs that they're going to take, because that's what the transition of power is. Instead of spiting what the previous administration did, you know what? You would try to make your administration better. Now, like, say this. If there was a Brady administration... I would look for those that could do the job and handle the job. Not exactly who I go golfing with over the weekend or because of, oh, you know, they were all about the business and everything else. You know, I mean, what with the railroading and unfair tactics and everything else, I'm just going to go ahead and put them in there because I am putting them in there and it's going to make me look good for my legacy. You know what I'm saying? No. See, as soon as Donald Trump was going for president, he works for the nation. You understand what I'm saying? Sure, he's the face of the nation, and he's supposed to provide a link between the people and its government. His mindset and the way he's going about this stuff is pretty much ass backwards. He has all of the potential to be a good president, but he's not doing a damn good start. Holding himself back. You know what I mean? And then in the end, he's going to hold us all back. And then what makes it even questionable is his temperament. The man doesn't have a good temperament. If you say something that is completely out of turn... Oh, all of a sudden he gonna go after you? Like, like for what? What is he gonna get out of it? Like, and I'm talking about the man. I'm not, I don't care about his money. I don't care about his brand. I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm just thinking about what he could do for this nation. And right off the bat, it's not looking good. He's the only guy I know that will complain about a rigged election, and he won the damn thing. He's the only guy I know that would win the election, 
and go ahead and pick a fight with SNL in a Broadway play. And he's the only man I know that would put all of these handful of people as if he selected them from, you know, the bottom of a hat. Got Ben Carson in there with HUD. Knowing full well Ben Carson background is not even in housing. Got Steve Harvey to come to the Trump Tower. And Steve Harvey, well, you know, he's not a sellout during the time he goes to visit Trump, okay? Let's, let's kill that, all right? Steve Harvey sold out when he wrote that book. You know, think like a man, act like a woman. Or is it act like a woman, think like a man? Either way, I don't care. But the point is, is this. Managed to go ahead and sell all the brothers out on that one. Not to mention the movies and everything else. Like, he's successful in some ways. But at the same time, he's a disappointment in others. And he even said before that you can't say the P word and be the president. But all of a sudden, that all changed when President-elect Trump told him to come visit him at Trump Tower. So... You know, don't don't go ahead and throw stones at the man nowadays because the overcomb called him to come and visit. And then allegedly he's supposed to be helping Ben Carson with the um, arrangement of cleaning up the inner cities. So we're going to see how that's going to go because more or less there are a lot of problems that need to be solved. But the thing is, is this, the way Trump is going about him is kind of poor. You know what I mean? Based on his attitude. And not to mention that all these um, other countries out there, you know, there are leaders out there that are a lot worse than him you know what i mean some that just won't back down even though they know they're wrong and that is the worst kind of way to be like you know the most times you ever hear confrontations from north korea is during the time when we start getting our warmer weather again a lot of leaders that we had didn't take the bait from north korea this guy however you make a sketch about him and then all of a sudden he's gonna come after you about it so is he gonna be the one that finally takes the bait and gets us involved in some bs that's the question and, you know, deep down, I just don't want to see the worst outcome, but I wouldn't put it past them. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to stir up any fear-mongering. You know, one way or another, we got what we got because people voted them in. And I'm not going to go ahead and go after the people that voted them in because, see, a lot of them are regretting voting him in now. And you can check that out on a link I'm going to provide down here in the description called Trump Regrets. So, you know, take the time to actually look at them and see what it's all about because I'm going to guarantee you this. That is some of the funniest stuff I have ever seen on the internet today. And, you know, of course, when you're following Donald Trump's Twitter and you're seeing all that stuff that he's saying, you can only imagine what makes him think of all this stuff. Because right now, you know, if he wasn't expecting to be made fun of or being talked about, why did he go for public office? You know what I mean? What, what did he want to do? Just say, oh, yeah, um, I did it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I'm president for me? No. When you are a president, you are a person of your people. And you're supposed to make us look good. He's on a different political stage. He's on the federal stage. He's there to make us look good when it comes to diplomacy and, you know, being responsible. This man talking about inner cities and everything else. Like, you know, honestly, to take care of our own communities, that's what we gotta do. We gotta go ahead, we gotta get involved with, we gotta get involved with our local governments. We gotta get involved with our county government. We gotta get involved with our state government. You know what I mean? We need to know what's going on in our own neighborhoods and stuff. In a way, he's supposed to be looking out for the nation. But we, on the other hand, because we live in these areas, we can make them better. Now we just have to go about getting people behind us. You know what I mean? And some of those people that we vote in, we need to participate in our local elections and, of course, the state elections. Got to pay attention to all that stuff because, you see, Delaware just recently had its inauguration with its new governor. So we got a whole new administration coming in. 
You need to know your civic duty. You need to be aware of who your congressman is. You need to be aware of who to go talk to. And then you see like Donald Trump and you see him arguing with Congressman John Lewis and then you see Rob Schneider get involved in that. And there's just too many people all up in this. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, I obviously don't see him doing a damn thing for me. So once again, I'm going to have to do all the work. And for a lot of people that say, hey, he's not my president, you know, (laughs) you're not wrong in a way. Because I like to think that Vice President Pence, however, is probably going to be doing all the work. And needless to say, you know, you can only imagine how crazy he is. Because obviously Donald Trump is gone. About as gone as his hairline. But outside of all that, though, don't turn off on the election and don't turn off on media. Like I said, if you have a problem with the mainstream media, the top three, There's a lot of other media publications you can go to, some that are all about truth. And the thing is, it really depends on you doing your own research. You got to dig deep. Like nowadays, you can't be about the blue pill. You can't be lazy. You got to be active. You got to know what's going on and you got to be open minded. Because like I say, it seems like nowadays as they try to cut out ethics and they try to cut out anybody that's going to report on them, do an inquiry on them because they love to do it to other people, but they don't like people doing it to them. That's what they want. They want us to be blinded, divided, and everything. Closed up. With no opportunity, no no optimism at all. Like I said, I'm optimistic about the future, but I know that we have to get through all these hard times for that good future to come into play. Because if you keep being lazy, doing the same old thing, and just enjoy your bread and circus, well, you're going to get whatever's coming to you. That's why I'm all about, you know, voting and being involved. Because that's doing your civic duty. You know? You're a citizen... And you're proud of your citizenship. And you see, the thing about it is, is this. What I don't like is when people call out Trump supporters and people call out Clinton supporters and people call out Obama supporters. You know what? Let me tell you all this. I'm neither of those damn things. I'm an American first. And for a lot of you out there, I'm sure you're all Americans first too. So as I don't call you names, don't call me names like that. You know what I mean? In the end, I just want somebody who can do the job, and I'd rather it be like government being government again, where the Republicans and the Democrats, even though they disagree with things, they work together. That's what it should be about. It it can't be this whole stalemate blocking and all that stuff. It's like a damn chess match that doesn't go anywhere now. And it's been like that for quite some time. I mean, I never thought I would see government shutdowns in my lifetime, but they have happened. You know what I'm saying? And you can't make this up. I never thought I would see a reality TV celebrity. I really don't want to call Donald Trump a celebrity because, you know, but then again, that's kind of what he is, right? You know what I mean? I never thought I would see a reality TV celebrity go into public office and have a hard time understanding people criticizing him. Now, I'm not going to talk about the whole BuzzFeed thing because that's just so ridiculous. It can't be true. But if it ever really happened, you know, I wouldn't put it past him because there's a lot of scandals following the man. Hell, there's a scandal now where Gloria Allred's taking the case against Donald Trump and Donald Trump is becoming the president. Yeah, I almost slipped up. He's not president yet. So, (laughs) you know, there's just controversy following this man any way you want to go. And I'm not even going to get involved with how Hollywood's reacting to him. I'm not going to get involved with that whole thing with uh, Nicole Kidman. Well, actually, I did. Because Nicole Kidman said that it's time we rally behind him. You know, the thing about it is, is this. While that's a good sentiment, the man has kind of laid an egg in the way he's carrying himself. So, you know, 
I'll get behind him when this quote-unquote make America great actually makes America better. You understand what I'm saying? And by practicing xenophobic tactics, it's not going to be perfect or great anyway. It's going to be the same thing that it is right now, stagnant. Because making America great revolves around the people in the country coming together, working for a common cause. Even if you don't like each other. You know what I mean? You don't have to hang out after the job's done. Just do the job and go about your life. But (laughs) when you got something going on now where it's called potential grizzlies and you have people involved in these cabinets that are not really qualified for jobs, you know what I'm saying? Like at this point, I think I could do a cabinet job and I'm not even going for a cabinet job. But would I take the time to learn about it if I was ever picked to do a cabinet job? Oh, hell yeah. You know, and do the best I can. But at my current rate, I know what I can do and what I can't do. And I also know that as I go into public office, people are going to talk about me. Much like as I'm doing this podcast show right now, I'm sure a lot of people are going to talk about me and say, oh, Jay, I don't agree with what you say. And you know what? That's how great this country is. You don't have to agree with what I say. You know what I mean? Disagreements is very important. You need different point of views. And unfortunately, when you got people that live in their own little world, like Donald Trump, to where you can't even relate to this man... And he pretty much says what you want to hear. That's where a lot of disaster sets in. But it remains to be seen on what he can do. A lot of people say give him a chance. You know what? Not going to happen for me. It is what it is. It's out of my hands. I can't talk about the election anymore. You know, other than the fact that the guy won it. And I can't sit here and complain about it and say like, Oh, things could have been different. You know what I mean? It could have been. Yeah, at one time. You know, the electoral college had all the power in the world to change it but they didn't want to and you know it could be uh sexist uh idealism behind that it could be that they just didn't want to deal with a woman president it could have just been a a lot of factors like the despite the whole russian hackings and everything else could be a lot of things we just don't know and it's uncertainty that got us all in arms and thinking these things when people say like donald trump's gonna give you jobs back If anything, you got to do some digging for yourself. Don't depend on the government too much more than when you need them. You know what I'm saying? It's good that they're there because in a way, politics and governments are necessary evil. Keep that in mind. But you got to depend on yourself. Your independence comes from what you put into it. If you don't put no independence in yourself, you will be dependent. Don't look for him to make America great. How about you making America great? How about you making your community and your lifestyle better? You know, some food for thought. But like I said, don't don't become blind because that's what they want you to be. That's all I'm going to go on for like this Trump watch today. Because tomorrow is the start of a new day. And whether it's bright or dull or just an ominous sign, we shall see. But don't be afraid because it's time to fight. Alright? Now let's move on into what this show is really about. Now, last week I gave you guys a J360 question of the week, which was, what was the number one movie you're looking forward to in 2017? And, you know, it was a bit broad, and I was trying to see if some of y'all could narrow it down. But what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to set up a poll on the J360 Twitter, you know, at J360 Productions. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, try to throw up some of those movies in a list to see what you are all looking forward to. And that way we can go ahead and try to whittle that down a little bit better. And not only that, you can also reply. You still have time. I'm going to address it in episode 9. And well, Legion, since I still have enough time in the show, I'm going to go ahead and share you my top 10 films for 2017. That I'm looking most forward to. Okay, 10 would be Star Wars Episode 8. 
it's a hard film to watch and hell it's even hard to talk about because i the circumstances that have happened but i want to see what happens and episode seven just left so much of a void so i need to see you know where things go from here and it's also carrie fisher's last starring role so that's my number 10 number nine would be logan hugh jackman's last role is wolverine i gotta give him his due you know what i mean it's like saying goodbye to an old friend Kind of like the death of Wolverine that happened in the comics. You know what I'm saying? And then X-23 is just too cool to pass up, you know? And then number eight would be Pacific Rim 2. John Boyega is playing as Idris Elba's long-lost son. So I got to see what exactly goes on in his mindset where he's going to be at caught in the war against the kaiju. So that's that's perfect. Let's see. Seven would be Justice League. Because I want to see what happens next after Suicide Squad and after Batman vs. Superman. And they already gave it away that Superman's going to come back. So, you know, there's not too much to look forward to other than the whole group finally getting together in live action form with no copyrights or trademarks in the way other than their very own. We finally got the league together, at least for one film, so... Let's go on ahead and enjoy this. Okay, and number six would be... This is another trip to the DCEU with Wonder Woman. I gotta see Gal Gadot wearing her Amazon uniform and kicking some ass, guys. I mean, I just can't get enough of her. And hopefully that this single movie will go ahead and boost a little bit more faith in the DCEU. It's still young. Give it time to develop. You know what I'm saying? Especially with the Shazam movie coming. Well, in time. In time. Okay, and five would be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Baby Groot, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> can't get enough of Baby Groot. I gotta see what happens to the Guardians next. And plus, we get to deal with Ego, the living planet, and his connection to Star Lord. So, it needs to, you know, it's up there in my top five, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I'm saying? And the top five is always the hardest. <sighs> Let's see, number four will be Kong Skull Island. King Kong is back, baby, and this time it's not about him trying to get some beauty. It's time for him to be the defender, kicking some ass until he goes up against Godzilla in 2020. And number three is Thor Ragnarok. There has been a void left from Thor The Dark World. I have to see that resolved. I need to know what happened to Odin. And since they got Doctor Strange helping him out, and once again, Thor has to team up with Loki to find out what's going on, this is going to be okay. You know what I'm saying? And taking off from after Doctor Strange and how good that movie was, it it just can't be missed. It's just a shame to me that it's not going to be on the summer lineup, but none of the Thor movies were ever in the summer lineup anyway. So, you know, it's just one of those things that just happens. Number two is Power Rangers, man. Power Rangers are back, and it's the original Mighty Morphing. Okay, not the original original, but you know what I mean? The start of a new movie franchise with them. Sure, things look a lot different, but the new trailer just came out for that, and Logan, speaking of which, and both look great. You know what I'm saying? Like, all expectations are out the window because (laughs) that movie is rock'em sock'em. It's just so awesome to see what's going to happen with that franchise now. Does it have, like, Transformer effects just about? Yeah, that's there. And things are a little bit more alien than, well, if anything, were just flashy spandex in the original series. But things look a lot more alien and enjoyable. You know what I mean? And it's in its own continuity. And sometimes movies tend to work better with their own continuity in a way. Though that's a topic for another episode. And, of course, let's see. Number one. Number one is Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man is back, and I gotta see what happens to this new Peter Parker trapped in this world filled with other superheroes 
and see where his place in the shared universe is going to be. Especially when it comes to taking on Michael Keaton as the Vulture and uh, Bokeem Woodbine as the Shocker. And I think the Terrible Tinker is in this film too, as if I'm not mistaken. This all happened in the comics and I just can't wait to see how all of this unfolds. Because I've been asking for the Vulture to be a villain in a movie back when they were working on the original Raimi films. So, yes. Everything is right where it needs to be. Now, there are some superhero films in here, and there are some, you know, pre-sold franchises. I remember doing an episode about it. But you know what I mean? To see their different take, like I said before, it, it adds some freshness. And I really want to see how that Power Ranger movie takes off. Honestly, I even wrote an editorial one time um, talking about a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Because Out of the Shadows was really good. I mean... It kind of negates the first one, but, you know, the first one, they didn't really know where they were going to go with it. But at least in the second one, it was a lot better because the Turtles had more screen time. And, you know, you got to see them battle. And, you know, and Stephen Amell as uh, Casey Jones wasn't a bad pick. Megan Fox, however, you know, she's going to be Megan Fox. And Will Arnett, I can't get enough of them, you know what I mean? So, it's all good. I just hope that they go ahead and follow through and make a third film and just don't leave people hanging. Because, you see, Elder Turtle fan is talking to you right now. But I'm talking about them young Turtle fans out there who this this movie franchise is something big for them. You know what I'm saying? I had my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Even the whole times when they had to team up with different dimension and versions of themselves. It would be a complete letdown if they don't follow up with a third Turtle movie. You know, for the younger generation. But outside of that, that is my top 10 for the 2017 films. Now, some of these other films out there deserve honorable mention, like the first Mummy movie that's coming out, dealing with this new Universal shared movie, uh, War of the Planet of the Apes. And also, how can I forget, Transformers 5 is coming out this year. Okay, how can I put this about Transformers 5? I'm excited because everything I know is changing. See, Optimus Prime is going through a bit of a heel turn, and it's up to Bumblebee and, let's see, Marky Mark to go ahead and change all of that. <laughs> I really shouldn't call him that. He's Mark Wahlberg now, and he's a very serious actor. But, you know, it's up to them to go ahead and figure out what's going on. And then there might be a sign of Unicron in this movie. So there's the excitement factor there, but the thing is, I just didn't like the last one. So that's why it's not in my top ten, but I will go see it when the time comes. And then a lot of other indie films out there that I haven't checked out yet, but I'm going to look into. Because you know what? I can't forget where I come from. It's just going to be a good year for movies. And then there's a lot of great video games coming out this year. It's just... Damn, you know? <laughs> My wallet is feeling the pain because it's like I have to choose. You know what I mean? It's that difficult choice every time. But, hey, at least I'm not alone in it because I know you're all feeling the pinch too. Outside of all that, though... There is a little thing going on regarding after Rogue One came out. And it's digitized actors. Allegedly there's like a controversy going on out there such as are normal actors going to be obsolete in the years to come due to digitized actors. Alright, and this is strictly an opinion from me. But I'm going to try to use some basis to cover it. But to me, I don't think you have anything to worry about. I think, you know, at best digitization is just a part of the whole thing. You know what I mean? Digital art is a part of filmmaking and a part of the creative process. And it has evolved to where you can go ahead and you can bring like, you know, 
people that passed on, such as Peter Cushing, back to life, you know, at least for their particular role in Star Wars, you know, he was Governor Tarkin, and Rogue One did take place in between, you know, that gap, that 19-year gap between Episode 3 and Episode 4, and it leads into Star Wars, so... And I'm saying Star Wars as its original title, not, you know, Star Wars Episode 4 New Hope. You know, it leads into that. So that actually works for that movie, you know. And people were wondering if they were going to do it for, you know, the recently deceased Carrie Fisher. And the thing is, is this. it's a, It hits a little close to home because, you know, her passing is recent. And it was unexpected. And there's still a lot of, a lot of people who feel for her. You know what I mean? And there's a way to go about it. Lucasfilms and Disney agreed that they're not going to pursue it. So for now, they're not going to pursue it. Things can change after a while because episode nine is still far off. You know, it's about a year or so off. So, you know, it's, it's just a lot of questions now. But at best, like I said before, it's nothing to worry about. It's just the evolution of filmmaking. There will always be a need for human actors. Like, you know, don't be ashamed or jealous of your CG counterparts yet. Not yet. You know what I mean? It's good, but you still need a human as a base. You still need somebody to mat and cut out, to put the shape into. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you look at the Hulk, you know the Hulk is pretty much Mark Ruffalo. In CG form and motion cap, by the way. But it's still Mark Ruffalo. You know, and then, like, when you looked at the way the CG Leia looked at the end of Rogue One, you know, it was accurate but it wasn't perfect you know what i mean you'll know this stuff is new and the thing is technology much like the art in itself has to evolve now we can hold on to what got us to this point you know we can be conservative about things but you know in order to tell a story like rogue one yeah you're gonna need to probably use it you know it just depends on what kind of movie you're gonna make that really what it's all about but no, there is no opening, no can of worms, nothing to worry about, digitized actors and everything like that. And, you know, there is such a thing like you don't have the right to your actor's likeness. You are going to have to talk to somebody, whoever's in charge of the estate or the heirs, you know, that are involved. Because of, you know, the Back to the Future's Part 2 controversy regarding Crispus Clover's likeness. You know what I'm saying? That's where that came from. So, you know, it's nothing to worry about. Just keep on auditioning and doing what you need to do to rise above the ranks so that you can be the next A-lister out there and so that I can cast you in my movie and so that we can go ahead and make a great franchise and kind of bring cinema out of its um deep hole. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people are saying that, you know, things are in a deep hole nowadays. But what with all the revivals that are popping up lately? And I have room to talk because this show is technically a revival of a previous show I made years ago. But the thing is, is that it seems like people hold on to these old shows, you know, want to give new life into them in hopes of giving them a chance to find an audience, and as they should in some ways, like such as the X-Files, everybody enjoyed the X-Files um, revival, although a select few didn't, I got somebody in my team that really didn't enjoy it much, but, you know, I thought it was okay, you know, it was cool to see how Scully and Mulder have, you know, progressed over the years since that last movie didn't do so hot. And I'm not talking about Fight the Future. I'm talking about I Want to Believe. And then even the Gilmore Girls came back. Uh, there was Fuller House, which is a sequel to Full House. I mean, I don't know if that came back or not. It is what it is. Um, and there's going to be some more revivals coming along 
as we speak. Now, in a way, I, I don't know if this kind of hurts the creative process, or in a way, I don't know if this is just us stuck in a time capsule that we can never really get out of. Because, you know, a lot of people that are out there getting a check for doing creativity, you know, to make these films, to make this these movies, to make media in general to entertain, they're 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 ten times creative than this. They could go ahead and they could make something new. I mean, is are things that stagnant now to the point where we can't have new IPs coming in? Do we have to keep reviving these shows? Because, like you know, the quirkiness of Twin Peaks is an art form, to be honest with you, and that's getting a revival. And you know, does it rightfully deserve one? It's still up in the air about it. I don't know if the revival will be as good as the older one is, but you know, at the end of the th- at the end of the day, I can't think that because. You know, that show was made on the basis of it being strange, but, you know, and for its time, it was very bizarre. But when you look at it now, are you going to expect it and expect it to be that same way? And me talking like that is kind of like putting myself in the ways of a potential audience, you know? The ones that remember the old show, oh yeah, they're going to enjoy all that quirkiness. You know what I mean? But are they going to be disappointed that the revival is not going to be as quirky as the original one was? That's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Oh, has he lost his touch since then? You know what I mean? Or was it unintentionally bad? You know, things like that. And sometimes that's what I kind of wonder, you know? Are we in a comfort zone so much to the point that we don't give other things a chance? Now, I know there are such a thing as dry humor shows, and if they ever did attempt to revive Married with Children, would I take a look at it? plausible you know but the thing about married with children was it came out at the right time and it was cutting edge the thing is things got dry around the 11th season so you know and then there's a lot of other shows that try to be that same aspect but it puts off a lot of other um a lot of these people that are out there that find everything offensive and all that crazy shit you know and that's kind of the worst thing about you know shows that end it like i mean it was a product of its time what I'm trying to say so and you know I don't want it to go ahead and destroy it being a product of its time as it's being revived but I do know like some of these other shows they came about in the late thousands or so you know what I mean like before we're in the new tens now so a lot of those shows came out about like 99 um early thousand era yeah yeah let me take that back 90 you know to the late 90s early thousands era and then they're all getting that revival and stuff. Like, I heard, like, there was a time that Nickelodeon was going to bring back some of their 90s shows. And I'm like, well, you mean to tell me that you guys couldn't create something new? You know what I mean? Like, a Hey Arnold revival. Um, okay, maybe it could be something good from it. Possible. But at the end of the day, I, you know, it was good for its time. Like, I, I, I can't really see myself enjoying the revival any more than I enjoyed the classic series. And it'd be like the same thing with Rocco's Modern Life or any of these other things that you're trying to bring back. Because there's a new audience out there. There's a new market. You know what I mean? You don't just have to cater to the ones that grew up in the 90s and stuff. You can cater to the ones that are growing up too. Try again with them. Keep making new shows. Like I said, there are shows on there that I don't understand. Like, I love regular show, but I don't give a damn about the adventures of Gumball when that was on, you know? It's just, you know, because that, that demographic was there. It's like, it's it's not hard, you know what I mean? 
let some of the people from the indie crowd go ahead and pitch to you. Give them a shot with their series, you know what I'm saying? And you have something there. And build these franchises up. You know what I mean? Because we're inspired by those shows that were made. But by bringing some of these shows back, in a way, it kind of traps creativity in a funnel. It's much in the same way like doing a reboot can get pretty stale sometimes. Oh, which by the way, uh, considering some of the reboots that are coming back, uh, Sony's version of Spider-Man that they're going to put on the big screen soon enough, the animated one, is dealing with Miles Morales. I'm really happy about that. That's going to be a lot of excitement around that because, you know, like I told uh, another one of my podcast buddies out there in the Potter and Family, like, I'm not a big Ultimate Spider-Man fan when Peter was the main focus on Ultimate Spider-Man. However, when he, uh, you know, he was just too whiny for me. You know what I mean? He was a lot whinier and a, a bit more annoying than the original Peter could be. You know what I mean? And that's on a bad day, you know, because sometimes you have bad writing in comics. But the thing is, is this, as I look and see how Miles was, I can relate to Miles. And Miles was enjoyable because he was a different Spider-Man, a fresh take. You know, and it's cool to see that Spider-Man is given that legacy factor. Because there's a lot of whip spinners walking around, or, well, not even walking around, swinging around in the comics now, you know, from Silk, Spider-Gwen, and that's just to name a few. I think Ben Riley's back now, so, and yeah, he's Scarlet Spider again. Pretty much the Spidey is given the Flash treatment right now, because there's a lot of speedsters in DC. And yeah, if those of you comic podcasters out there disagree with me, come on, take a look. You can see the signs. Let's be honest here. But the beautiful part is I'm just glad they're working with Miles Morales and he's getting the big screen treatment. It's getting to the point where I got to go ahead and close up the show. So uh, I want you all to take care of yourselves and come back in next week for episode 9 because episode 9 is going to be a little bit different than what episode 8 was. See, episode 8 was primarily a political episode and talking about the evolution of filmmaking, whereas episode 9... I'm going to go ahead and reunite with an old friend on the show. Who is he, you're probably wondering? You'll find out next week. The first thing I'm going to do is move this show back to its original time slot on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. So keep that in mind, Tuesday at 7 p.m., that's when episode 9 is going to premiere. And I would like to thank all of you for tuning in with me tonight on this episode. So take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next week. This is Jay signing off.